0: It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
1: Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is old there.
0: singing Country Road. This is a birthday bumper music selection from uh, my friend Rachel Yellen, who's celebrating her birthday today. But it's a very apropos introduction uh, for our next guest because a lot of folks would consider radio his true home, even though he has been up and down all over the country recently. As a presidential candidate, he's got a new book out, which we're going to tell you about. Uh, I am very pleased to welcome an old friend of mine, conservative radio and TV talk show host, former Republican candidate for president and author of the new book, As Goes California, My Mission to Rescue the Golden State and Save the Nation, the sage of South Central, Larry Elder. Larry, it's great to talk with you again. Welcome back to the program.
1: Frank, it is my pleasure, and thank you for not calling me, as the L.A. Times did when I ran for the governor in the recall election, the black face of white supremacy. Any day (laughs) when I'm not called that is a good day.
0: (laughs) Larry, uh, so you've dropped out of the presidential race. You've made the decision to endorse President Trump. He, in turn, has uh, endorsed your book. Uh, Give me your thoughts on sort of the post-mortem of your presidential campaign. Obviously, I'm sure you would have liked a different result. Do you have any regrets about running?
1: No, no, I don't. It was an honor and a privilege to run. My only regret is that I was not treated better by the RNC. Uh, As you know, in the first debate, the RNC required you to have 40,000 individual donors. Check. Uh, I had to submit three polls where I was at 1% or better. Check, check, check. I get a phone call from Ronna McDaniel after the deadline, and she says, Larry, you're not qualified for the first debate. Why? Well, because one of the polls you submitted, Rasmussen, is, quote, affiliated with the Trump campaign, close quote. And the rules clearly stipulate, Larry, that any poll affiliated with any candidate cannot be used by any other candidate." After that happened, Rasmussen puts out a tweet and says, no, we're not affiliated with the Trump campaign. There's no reason why Elder can't use us. I then submitted a fourth poll where I was at 1% or better, and I was accused of submitting it after the deadline, which is true because I didn't realize I needed to submit a fourth one. So as far as I'm concerned, I got shafted. Uh, I filed a complaint with the Federal Elections Commission. My Mm. lawyer is a former chair of the FEC, and he says that by failing to apply the debate criteria fairly to Elder... uh, essentially what the RNC did was to give an in-kind contribution to the eight people that made the debate stage. That's my only real regret. But I travel up and down the country, as you pointed out, spent all sorts of time in Iowa and in New Hampshire, met all sorts of people. Uh, and I really, really felt that I had something to say, something to give back, which is why I ran.
0: The uh, So I, I, it sounds like there's a strong case to be made that the process was rigged from the get-go.
1: Well, that's how I look at it. I mean, look, um, they tell me what I'm supposed to do, I did it. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call when the deadline is over telling me that one of the polls, uh, I can't use because it's affiliated mm. with Trump when that poll says no, we're not affiliated with Trump. What am I supposed to do? Right. And, and Rasmussen is not something, not some rinky dink poll. It's a respected poll. It was the one that was the most accurate in 2016, suggesting that Donald Trump was going to win. And it is often cited on the RNC website, uh, and Twitter feed uh, as a reputable poll. Now, all of a sudden, uh, It's not, uh, it's tainted because it's affiliated with Trump. When they say they're not affiliated with Trump, you tell me what that's all about. I think what happened, Frank, is that they wanted to reduce the number of of, uh, people on the stage as soon as possible, A and B. Mm -hmm. I know that I give the RNC heartburn. I talk about things uh, in a much more blunt fashion than I think they want to hear about. So I think that there was um, uh, some animosity towards the great L. Dursky uh, being up there. And remember, when I ran for governor of California, I did not get any support from the state uh, GOP party nor the federal GOP party, even though I was far and away the front runner on the replacement side. Uh, and I, not only did I not get any money from either one of them, I did not e- even get any verbal support. Kevin McCarthy uh, told all the dozen or so House members in California to stay out of the race, don't say anything about it, because they wanted a guy named Kevin Faulkner, the two-term mayor mm-hmm. of San Diego, to be the guy. I carried San Diego County on the replacement side by 30 points. And when it was obvious that I was winning, I got 49% of the replacement vote. The next highest person got 9%. I thought at least the RNC, state and/or federal, would, would give me verbal support. They gave me neither. But there were two House members, uh, U.S. House members. Uh, a woman named Michelle Steele and a guy named Doug Mamalfa, both of whom defied Kevin McCarthy and came out in public. supported me. Outside of that, I got no love from the RNC. There's not been any love lost between the RNC and Larry Elder. In the
0: last debate, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy called on the RNC chair, uh, Ms. Uh, Romney McDaniel, to resign. Do you Do you agree with that?
1: You think she should go? Well, I didn't support her when she ran uh, for reelection. I wanted hard meet uh, Dylan out here in California. And by the way, Frank, I was there uh, when, when Vivek did that, just three or four mm-hmm. rows back. Uh, and I, I, had a <laughs> I had a marvelous time watching her squirm. By the way, the other thing that uh, Vivek did, and getting a little off topic, is he called out the media for uh, the Russia collusion thing. He should have called out NBC specifically because they gave a job to the biggest race hustler, anti-Semite in America, uh, aside from Louis Farrakhan, and his name is Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton has a show on an NBC property. This is the guy who made his bones by falsely accusing Tawana Brawley uh, by, by claiming that a white man raped her. Uh, he's in the middle of the Crown Heights riots in 1991, where a bunch of uh, blacks were attacking Jews. That's relevant because Sharpen's uh, had a history of making anti-Semitic remarks, called Jews diamond merchants, white interlopers. Sure, and there I know he is history, having, having 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 a show uh, on uh, on uh, on MSNBC and NBC property. It is outrageous. This man can even show his face in the daytime, let alone have a TV show once a week on on the NBC property. He's also, by the way, on videotape. You can go to YouTube and look at this, Frank. He's on videotape agreeing to sell and deal cocaine to an undercover FBI agent. That is video uh, and nobody says a word about it, other than me, or, or at
0: the very least, and um, was also an informant. And it's very interesting with the amount of uh, with, with the amount of uh, criminal justice run-ins that he's had, and the amount of tax issues that he's had. He's in a position right. to host a show commenting on the criminal justice
1: system and on taxes. But don't get me started; <laughs> we could do all three hours just on uh, Al uh, Al and, Sharpton. And, 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 and by the way, real quickly before we wrap this up, the reason he became an informant is because of the FBI mm-hmm. surveillance tape, and they. They used that against him and made him made him, and turned him into a rat. The,
0: tell me about your decision to endorse President Trump. You endorsed him pretty quickly after ending right. your own candidacy. Why, uh, out of everybody that's running, do you think accepting Larry Elder, Trump's the best man for the job?
1: Well, bear in mind, I ran as a mega guy. I ran as a guy that uh, complimented Donald Trump on the things he did on the economy, on borders, uh, on uh, on energy, on having a. Uh, Secretary of Education who pushed school choice, The reason I ran is because there were some issues that nobody was talking about, including President Trump, most notably the epidemic of fatherlessness, which, Frank, in my opinion, is the biggest social problem facing America. Seventy percent of black kids enter the world today without a father in the home, married to the mother, up from 25 percent back in 1965. In fact, 25 percent of white kids now enter the world without a father in the home, married to the mother. And the stats are clear. If you're raised without a father, you're five times more likely to be poor and commit crime nine times were likely to drop out of school and 20 times were likely to end up in jail. And the reason this has happened is because in the mid sixties, a Democrat named Lyndon Johnson launched a so-called war on poverty. And since then we've incentivized women to marry the government and incentivized men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. And nobody, but nobody was talking about it until I started talking about it. By the way, according to the center for disease control, and I told this to Trump uh, about uh, 10 days ago when he and I were in Mar-a-Lago together, uh, According to the Center for Disease Control, a black male aged 10 to 43 is, I'm not making this up, Frank, 13 times more likely to be murdered than a white male same demo. And almost always a murderer is another black male in that same Mm. demo. I told that the Trump, he almost fell off his chair. He said, what's your source for it? I said, Center for Disease Control. And nobody but nobody's talking about this.
0: It is really alarming. And uh, that's one of the reasons I think a lot of folks were glad that you were running to give voice to concerns like that, even if they weren't necessarily prepared to uh, support you. One of the things that I have seen, Larry, is people that are controversial. Which you've been from time to time, which Donald Trump certainly is. I'm a an admirer of uh, of Pat Buchanan, and I've talked about him on the air. And people will call in, and they will dust off some quote from 30 years ago or 35 years ago, and they'll in in 60 years of commentary, they'll find the three or four worst things that he ever said, and say, "Here, go ahead, defend that." So I try never to be that guy and never ever do that to anybody because I think it's unfair. And I don't expect you just because you're endorsing Donald Trump to have to answer for the things that Donald Trump says. But I do have to ask you about this just because it was said recently. Uh, you've, I'm sure you've heard about this on Veterans Day. President Trump uh, was uh, giving this speech and a lot of people said he, they thought his remarks should have been focused primarily on veterans. Instead, he called out his enemies and called them If people didn't hear it, this is what he said. We pledge to you that we will root out the communists, Marxists, fascists and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country that lie and steal and cheat on elections and will do anything possible. They'll do anything, whether legally or illegally, to destroy America and to destroy the American dream. The threat from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within. Larry, was that an inappropriate commentary to give on Veterans Day, in your view?
1: No, it wasn't. I agree with everything that he said. Joe Biden can refer to MAGA Republicans as semi-fascists. That's not a problem. Hillary can say that Negotiating with the Russians was similar to negotiating with communists and the Iranians. That's not a problem. Donald Trump uses the word vermin to describe what he considers to be election interference, and there was election interference, uh, and he's denounced. It's a, another another double standard. Democrats play the Nazi card all the time. Nobody says a damn thing. 1964, I'm a lot older than you, Frank. Uh, Barry Goldwater gets nominated as a Republican nominee for president. The then governor of California, Democrat, said, and I'm quoting, the stench of fascism is in the air, end of quote. Ronald Reagan runs, and a congressperson, Democrat, says, Ronald Reagan gets his fascist precepts from the pages of Mein Kampf. Uh, George Soros writes a book and compares uh, George W. Bush to Joseph Joseph Goebbels, the uh, Hitler propaganda minister. Nobody says a word. Donald Trump uses the word vermin. Oh, my God! (laughs) He's He's just outrageous beyond the pale. It's ridiculous. By the way, remember the picture of Barack Obama uh, with a smiling Louis Farrakhan, the na- nation's leading anti-Semite, the man who once referred to Hitler as a great man and Judaism as either a gutter religion or a dirty religion? Um, Barack Obama, then senator, is taking a picture with him at some sort of gathering by the Congressional Black Caucus. The picture did not emerge until years after Obama left the uh, left the White House, but that picture came out, and Alan Dershowitz said had he known about that picture, he never would have voted for, for, uh, for Barack Obama. Nobody says a word. Can you imagine if Donald Trump had taken a picture with a smiling David Duke? be shoved down his throat every single day and should be. Yeah,
0: uh, no, I, I get it, Larry. Uh, Larry, you're probably one of the most influential, one of the most prominent black conservatives in America. And by the way, if people are interested in hearing more from Larry Larry Elder and some of his solutions for the country, they should check out his book, As Goes California, My Mission to Rescue the Golden State and Save the Nation. It's almost, it's a part memoir and part handbook for reforming America. Let me ask you about this story that came out in the wall street journal yesterday headline biden is losing black voters here's why it matters and this wall street journal article chronicles some very real concerns among democratic consultants and democratic leaders that concerns about the economy are driving away minorities who've long supported Democrats. And apparently, the Democrats were already concerned that black voters might just stay home because of a lack of enthusiasm for Biden. They're quoting different Democratic strategists in this article, Larry, that say they're actually concerned that they'll do worse than stay home, that they'll actually vote for Donald Trump. In your view, Larry, from what you're seeing, do you think that the black community could actually be Donald Trump's secret weapon in 2024?
1: I do think so. Uh, And it's about time. Donald Trump got 8% of the black vote, Frank, in 2016, uh, when he argued, what do you have to lose? Talking about schools and crime and the economy. Fast forward four years later, 2020, he gets 12%. That's a 50% increase. And 20% of black males voted for Donald Trump in 2020. The people that are most hurt by inflation are those at the bottom of our economic ladder. Many of those are black people. Uh, And the schools are absolutely rotten inner city baltimore 13 public high schools all located in the inner city zero percent of the kids can do math at grade level chicago there are 53 government schools frank zero percent of the kids can do math at grade level nationwide 85 percent of black eighth graders can neither read nor do math at grade level half can't do basic reading Meanwhile, the Democratic Party opposes school choice, where where it's been tried without the rules and regulations. Uh, it's been it's been benefiting uh, black and black kids. And the party elites, however, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, uh, uh, Gavin Newsom, have their own kids in private schools, while denying kids in the inner city the same opportunity. It is outrageous. And then we have got crime. You have these soft on crime DAs. You have these, the the. Defund the police movement. Eighty one percent of blacks, according to a Gallup poll, want the police manpower to remain the same or to be increased. The people that are most hurt by leaving thugs on the street are the very black and brown people that people on the left purport to care about. So black voters are beginning to wake up and realize all this stuff and put all this stuff together. And now all of a sudden, Trump doesn't look so bad.
0: One of the things that uh, is interesting about looking – well, first let me ask you about one of the criticisms that Donald Trump got, even though he's not on the ballot this year, and that has to do with the Republican failures. A lot of people were expecting the Republicans to do much better than they did in states like Virginia, in states like New Jersey, in states like Kentucky, and some Trump critics are – pointing at him as the reason that the Republicans underperformed in those states. Do you think it's unfair to blame Donald Trump for GOP underperformance this year, last year, or in any other year
1: since 2016? I I do think it's unfair. The reason for our so-called underperformance primarily recently have to deal with the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Republicans still haven't figured out how to deal mm. with this issue. Even Republican women uh, who are pro-life don't like the idea of a law stopping other people from having a different point of view. And we have not effectively talked about the extremism on their side. For example, when I ran for governor, as I explain in my book, As Goes California, people asked me about my position on abortion, and of course I'm pro-life. Uh, And they call that extremist. And then I said to every reporter, please go to my opponent, Gavin News, and ask him, at what point does he feel a pregnancy has gone so far uh, that to terminate it would constitute homicide? And nobody asked him. Uh, Kamala Harris was on CBS a few weeks ago. She was asked that same question in three or four different ways, and she wouldn't answer it. Ultimately, uh, whenever you get a lefty to answer the question. They say, well, it's up to a woman and her doctor. If that is true, then we ought to release that doctor who's behind bars in Philadelphia named Kermit Gosnell. Remember, he performed late-term abortions with the permission of, of women. He's behind jail. So, do you consider him to be a political prisoner? Should he be allowed to uh, be released from, from, from jail? They won't answer that question. They're the extremists. Most people do not support late-term abortions, but if you ever get a Democrat to actually answer the question, uh, as as I think uh, Bernie Sanders did during one debate, he said it's up to a woman. Really? Up to a minute before birth? Five minutes? Really? They're the extremists. And I just don't think we have uh, articulated that strongly enough so that people do not feel that we are— Anti-women, which is the way way, uh, Gavin Newsom puts anybody who's pro-life and opposes abortion, they are, quote, anti-women, even though some polls show a greater percentage of women are pro-life than men. for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org.
0: Let me uh, ask you a little bit about California. Some people may bristle at the comparison that California is in any way representative of the country. But it's interesting when you look at the demographic data, if you look at where the country is right now, it's almost exactly where California was back in 1994 when they not only elected Pete Wilson as governor, but pa- uh, but uh, passed an anti-illegal immigration referendum, Proposition 187. Even in California, there have been flashes of conservative activism. We saw that in the recall of those uh, left-wing school board members. We saw that in the recall of the San Francisco DA. One, do you think Republicans have any hope in California? And two, are, are we looking at California and seeing America's future?
1: Well, again, as I put out in my, in my book, there are some sprouts of hope. The recall election was a sprout of hope. He pointed out the recall of these left wing school board members, a sprout uh, of hope. The fact that Gavin Newsom's poll numbers are the worst he's ever had uh, in his uh, uh, nearly eight years as governor of California. And the number one reason people are citing now for being dissatisfied with him uh, is crime uh, and homelessness. It's just too bad it was two years too late. So there are some things that are going on in California. 700,000 people have left California, Frank, in the last two, two and a half years. The number one reason they cite is they cannot afford the price of a home. The average price of a home in California, 175% above the national average, because people like Gavin Newsom and the one-party state uh, Democrats that dominate two-thirds in the state assembly, two-thirds in the state Senate, are in bed with the environmentalists, that have passed a law called CEQA, California Environmental Quality Act, that allows virtually anybody to stop any kind of construction project for almost any reason. As a result, we are millions of housing units below where we should be. In terms of houses uh, per capita, we are 49 out of 50 states. Again, this is the kind of stuff that people in California are beginning to realize, which is why Gavin Newsom is now facing his worst poll numbers of his career as governor. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Larry, we're going to have to end it there. I always love talking to you, and I hope we can do this again soon.
1: You know where to find me, bro. I I do indeed.
0: Uh, Check out Larry's book, As Goes California, My Mission to Rescue the Golden State and Save the Nation. You want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're certainly welcome to do so. Uh, My number is 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.